Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 202, episode 5 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, the production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Friday, September 17th, 2021. TGIF, am I right? Oh, yeah. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. And so I wake in the morning and I step outside and I take a deep breath and I get real high and I scream from the top of my lungs, Ted Cruz ate my son. (laughs) That is courtesy of Lex Luby. That is a song. He he had a couple verses. Apparently, you know, replacing what's going on with Ted Cruz ate my son uh, works perfectly throughout that. Like she's begging for a revolution mm-hmm. she's you know cries sometimes yeah when i'm lying in bed because ted cruz ate her son it makes a lot of sense it could be just like a weird al's first just one word switched out and it totally makes sense I'm, and i'm sure linda perry was thinking about that too probably yeah one of the great <laughs> yeah. songwriters of course well i am thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host mr miles Don't. Doom, doom. I drink a little pee. I can taste the COVID 19. I'm a TDZ host and a man. My cum is worthless and flat. Okay, if you don't know Red Hot Chili Peppers Deep Cuts, uh, that's P from One Hot Minute, uh, and that's a song where Flea is singing it, but shout out to Excipio on the Discord for, I guess, although it wasn't me, uh, it was mostly Jack and the guests who were talking about their P determining or their their palate for tasting COVID in urine. But you know what? It's part of the lore, so we will accept it. Oh, I can tell you if you got COVID. Just give me a little <laughs> Hand it over. PPE. Wait, the song is called originally P? But like P-E-A. I, yeah, P-E-A. Yeah. P-E-A. Yeah. And does he... Okay. He and says, he like, I'm a little P. No, oh, okay. I drink a little P. I'm a teeny tiny. Oh. My cat's called that's Tiny a, and her ears song. go up every time I sing that part. Yeah, it is it is weirdly cute for Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Flea is real cute, which... I guess is to be expected from somebody who's, who took the name of a tiny little creature. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a brilliant artist, translator, writer, and podcaster who you can hear on her podcast, Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. You can commission a painting or buy a print of her beautiful paintings of people like Nicole Byer yes, and Lil Nas X. Please welcome the brilliant and talented Ayumi Shinozaki. I am Ayumi from a far off place with Jack and Miles hosting TDZ. Hansard Gang will hear a pod that's second rate. And Anna saying, this is why you all should stream. Come again. (laughs) today i also host a podcast order hard from me i'll ship it to your door back on daily site (laughs) talking trends that's right i'm on zoom with jack and miles right where i belong wow (laughs) look at that Slow Did clap you? with a single tear. Yeah, <laughs> that was by the Brew over on Zycord. The, the Brew, wow. Damn. Okay, okay, Brew, Brew. We beautifully see you, you. performed with heart. <laughs> yeah. What's new? Are you? Are you living? Yeah, What's I... new? How's the weather in Japan? <laughs> I'm. I. I um, haven't been in three years because of everything. So I have to keep asking you. How is it yes. there? <laughs> well, weather-wise, it's been a little back and forth. September has not decided whether or not it's going to be fall yet. Mm-hmm. So it's been a little wild. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're in the middle of some, I guess, political stuff because uh, Suga's going to be our, our current prime minister who was appointed by Prime Minister Abe last year mm-hmm. when he quit because he couldn't. Well, he said it's for his health, but he said he couldn't really handle all the criticism for his uh, his his reaction to covid basically. Mm-hmm. But now Suga is the one who's stepping down. So everyone's talking about who the government's going to appoint a new prime minister. And 
maybe we'll get an election. It's still not clear. It, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, what it's. Are things about to kick off there, too? Like campaigns and things pretty soon? Well, they're saying if there is an election, it'll be in October, but everything has been like, maybe, 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 maybe. I don't know why. Oh. So they might just put someone up in this position again, just like last year, which is not great because it's already been pretty bad and it's going to still stay right wing. We might get our first female prime minister who is basically a fusion of Margaret Thatcher and Nancy Reagan. So, oh, I uh, love to see that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Especially in a changing world right now, we need, Mm. we need more people who are, who want to conserve the old way. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Terrible, (laughs) terrible fucking recipe. Pretend it's the 80s. That'll, Mm. that'll work. I mean, that's what COVID (laughs) deniers want to do. Like 2018. There you go. It yeah. uh, got to keep up. I know it's tough. I know things are moving quick, but that's that's the challenge of living in this era. Mm. <laughs> and you guys were talking before we started recording. You're both sipping on the same beverage. Mugi cha. Yeah. Yes. Mugi cha. Yeah. Mugi yeah. cha. Cha is barley like a tea. tea. But yeah, mugi, yeah. That, uh, that barley tea is so easy to make. It, you can just throw your tea bag in your little, you know, uh, pitcher or whatever for a couple hours. Then it's just gold. Uh, mm. And it's very healthy. And, and then you put a bunch of ice in it and just slam it. No, I mean, I keep it in my refrigerator so it comes it. out cold. You know what I mean? Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also, it's got health benefits, you know, antioxidants and vitamins. It's good for your digestion. And a bunch of caffeine, right? That'll nah. like just fucking fuel you. Just nah, get you. none of that. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> huh? just nope. Why is it so popular, bro? <laughs> Wait, well, so what does it do? <laughs> Wait, like, so what does it do for me? Like, how does it take me out of self so that I just don't feel anything? No, for me, it just I think of like being in Japan because this is just something that was always in the refrigerator at like any of my family members houses, especially in the summer. So yeah. when the weather's warm, I love to bust out that mugicha. And I, I tell people, if you like something that's like water, it's, it's not there's no sugar or anything like that. It's not acidic. You know, just have, have a little of that. You know, yeah, good for you. It's almost like a more gentle water, like because it the barley taste is like so subtle that it almost replaces like any aftertaste that water might have yeah no for sure it's really yeah yeah definitely all right well i mean we're gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment first a couple of things we're talking about we're gonna talk about how uh the fears around critical race theory and the fears around uh that drove people to uh storm the capital it turns out they they overlap Mm. and we'll talk about how Scientists came to that conclusion. We're going to talk about, we don't usually go too deep on true crime on this show, but there is this wild saga that is happening in South Carolina with a family called the Murdaugh family that I just want to kind of run through and talk about it because I think it reveals things uh, or at least reinforce what we already know about America. Uh, We're going to talk about Tucker Carlson and just the... uh, continuing widening ripples you know waves caused by uh, Nicki minaj's tweet about her cousin's friend's balls mm-hmm. and just the there are now international implications of that yeah we're gonna remind you that some democrats are pieces of shit we're mm-hmm. gonna talk about the new hot new fall trend which is divorce <laughs> uh, all of that plenty more but first i mean what is something from your search history so my search history is a uh, home sweet home mm. i was listening to another podcast talk that was talking about um Something related to like like the Wizard of Oz and I Wait, think it was on. Return hold to on. Oz. You, hold on, hold on, hold on. You it's... said you listened to another podcast. Nah, I'm so sorry. Fuck that. Let's what just stop the shit? tape now. You know what? Drama, <laughs> Justin. Like we're heading out. Anna, let yeah, her know. This is. Uh, <laughs> we try to. We can't figure out why anyone would listen to us if they know about other podcasts. So we have a strict <laughs> policy of uh, we pretend that this podcast exists Actually, in a it's world great news, where... Jack, because the, the theory doesn't hold. She knows yeah. of other podcasts and That's still true. listens. Okay, go on. Yes, you, yes. You've made my so, day. That's okay. So I was listening to a podcast that was talking about the movie Return to Oz. And so it was making me think about like the Oz universe and stuff, but they were making jokes about the phrase home sweet home and it made me realize like oh is that a reference to this story the wizard of oz or is it something else so i had to google it and 
It's actually from before the Wizard of Oz books, I guess. So apparently it's from, it's a song that's adapted from an opera from 1823, which is like super old. And I listened to the song and actually I realized I had heard the song because in Japanese it's known as Hanyu no Yado and it was used in um, the movie Grave of the Fireflies from Mm -hmm. uh, Studio Ghibli. But yeah, it was like a super, it was just like a hit song in 1823. And so like in, in the Wizard of Oz movie, it is also referencing that song. And they actually are using part of the melody, I think, at the very end or something like I, that. But whoa, yeah. I never saw a Return to Oz. It's, is it good? What? I just, well, I, 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 I just know of it, but I've never it, seen it. But from what I heard on this podcast it sounds like it was really wild but more in line with the wildness of the other oz books okay because there's like the villain of that is uh, princess mommy who has 31 heads and so she like takes up a head and puts on another head and it's like this is for children but okay right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rip my head off in front of these kids yeah. Let's see how they react i yeah, didn't realize yeah. Farusa balk from the craft is like the lead in that yeah. she's dorothy what the fuck? Yeah, but she's like very young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't know how this... it sounds like it's. I haven't watched it yet, but it does sound like it is worth watching just to be like, how is this a thing? But yeah, um, reading more about it is maybe one to like get into because I never read the the Oz books. I know I watched the original Wizard of Oz movie, mm-hmm. but I don't remember watching it. The only reason I know I watched it is because I wrote about it in my my six year old diary. <laughs> but um. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like it's like one of those franchises that I like never actually checked out, but I'm aware that like the idea of it, the vibe from the film, like the original film, is very different from like uh, I guess the whole the whole universe of the the books. Right, if that makes sense. Yeah. Got you. I'm yeah. tuning in mm-hmm. just to see Child Feruza Balk because I love the I love the craft. <laughs> yeah, that's I, valid. Yeah, <laughs> I vaguely remember like being at a. Uh a family's house when I was a kid and them having that on and just being fucking terrified <laughs> of that movie. Like being like, this mm. is a sequel to the wizard of Oz. Yeah. There's uh, some very terrifying, like monsters, like, or there's like some things that like have wheels for hands and wheels for feet. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a talking chicken. There's a whole bunch of stuff. It's like, huh? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Directed by uh, Walter Murch. I wonder what else he directed. Because it is real, real creepy shit that, like, I think I, like, it, uh, affected the fever dreams I had later on in life. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. yeah. They're all returned sure. to Oz adjacent. Yeah. Oh, no. What, uh, what is something you think <laughs> is overrated? Uh, I had a lot of trouble coming up with something today, but I think having a reason to dislike something is overrated Mm. Mm. it could also apply to liking things honestly but i want to focus on disliking because like i think that if you are passionate about something and someone else says i don't like it or it's like it's not my cup of tea it i feel like for many people the natural reaction is to get like upset (laughs) and be like why don't you like it and also i think especially online with social media people want to have like the 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 fire takes about why something is trash or whatever but Mm -hmm. like for example, I don't like the color orange, and I don't know why. Like, when I look <laughs> at the color orange, it just makes me feel negative. And I don't know if it's because I have synesthesia or if, if like, something happened to me with, with something that was orange-colored when I was younger. But, like, it just, like, it just makes me feel sad or kind of bummed out when I look at orange or, like, red-orange. But yellow orange is like kind of okay. But like I have no reason for this dislike. But it's right. just a thing. And you know, when I, when I talk to kids, it's like the same way. Because like you know, I I am a part time teacher, and so I talk to a lot of kids, and it's like, oh, what's your favorite color or whatever? And like, oh, I like green. I like pink. I like black. And they never have a reason why. It's just like, oh, it makes yeah. me happy. You know? Yeah, yeah. of course. So, my favorite color was my favorite color because some uh, older family kid I looked up to. It was their favorite color, and I was like, "Yep, that's yeah, my exactly. color. Yeah, I like that color too." Now, fucking with it, and <laughs> exactly. and I still like it. And I'm and I look back and I'm like, it was all because of just modeling myself after an older kid. It was why I like this color my mm-hmm. whole life. It's so funny. But favorite colors yeah. are such a big deal for kids. Yeah, like, <laughs> they mm-hmm. that's like they they ask everybody. My kids when. 
they first meet someone, they want to know what their favorite color is. And <laughs> That's adorable. They, yeah. they feel like my son feels kinship with me because we're the only two in our family who have the same favorite color. And yeah. I they, used to, yeah. <laughs> Treating like favorite color, like conversations on the schoolyard was predated like Twitter where people were arguing about the MCU. You know what I right. mean? Like mm. I remember actively like, yo, this kid likes red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> him. He likes red. This is stupid. Mm. Why? We like blue. I like blue. He likes blue. John likes blue. What's going on with you? And that I just remember being so incensed when <laughs> someone didn't like blue. Yeah. And that mm. was, again, like to your point, I mean, like I, I was too young to be like, that doesn't mean I'm stupid because I like blue <laughs> or they hate blue for a good reason. People right. just yeah. like different shit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and the same thing applies to media and, and you know books and so on. Like it's just it, there are a lot of things that I know are like super popular, but and I watch them, I don't feel anything, and it's fine. Yeah, right. Like yeah. I don't feel like I have to explain it. Just like mm, it's not for me. That's okay. Yeah, and if, I'd yeah. imagine on that same side of that coin, if you hear someone say they don't like a thing you like, you're not then sent into some like like debate mm. spiral where you're like, well, let's let's well, explain yeah. why, yeah. explain your point here. I just know they're an idiot. I just know that they're <laughs> wrong. And they're, yeah, I was just, I was uh, reading an article actually about there are all these like Van Gogh exhibits that are going across the country that are just like, they, they project like a sort of animation of various Van Gogh paintings. Like, oh, on, yeah. Like when they the do walls. it at Amoeba. The yeah, they're doing it at Amoeba. Spot. Yeah. They basically rent a centrally located abandoned building and like do this big thing that like has the trappings of a art museum and you know like they give out tote bags so it's like to appeal to the NPR set but then like it's really like kind of just I don't know it's not it's not really the same as going to an art museum in any in any respect, it's just like going to see a kind of trippy light show type thing. It's more on, on par with like the orchestra or like the light shows that people used to go to in the 70s. Right. But somebody was like talking about like there there's a backlash to that. And they were just like, who gives a shit? Like, honestly, like except people enjoy it. Oh, like from and, the art world or whatever? Or like... Yeah, from the art world being <laughs> like, this is taking the place of art. People should just go stand in front of paintings. But anyways, the writer was talking about how they take their kids their teacher also and they take their kids to art museums and the way that they have introduced the kids to art is they just like take them into a room and they're like okay everybody go stand in front of the painting that you like the most mm. and then you just let them talk about the thing that they responded to about the painting mm. which i immediately wrote down as the thing i have to do with my kids but also oh, yeah. like it's just a good way to you know focus on I feel like that's how we should interact with culture in general. Just like stand in front of the movie you like and then interact with other people who love that movie rather than being feeling like you need to comment on the shit that everybody else likes. Right. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. What is something you think is underrated? Mm. Books and novelizations for non-book media, like especially movies and TV shows and so on. So partly this is like because... When the Star Wars like third trilogy started, they released a whole bunch of new books, mostly because they were saying that some of the older books were no longer valid or whatever, which oh, canon. is fine, I guess. But like, right. yeah, yeah. But they released a whole bunch of other books and I like enjoyed a whole bunch of them and they helped me to enjoy the movies even more, which is not to say that like if you didn't enjoy the movies that you have to read these books or whatever to like mm -hmm. truly get it. Right. But yeah, for me, because like I love getting more lore and stuff another example is like the descendants disney movies uh on the, on the disney channel i'm a big fan of those movies and there was also like a an, an animated series on youtube for the show or whatever mm -hmm. and then they had to make books that tied these two different canons together and they did a really good job with that and i really enjoyed that even though it's like you know a much younger audience or whatever that's all based off of the expanded universe of the Descendants, the yes. Alexander Payne, <laughs> George Clooney film, right? Absolutely, yes. Um, <laughs> okay, so you haven't seen it, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, no, Disney Descendants is about the the children of the classic Disney characters. Mm. That's actually very interesting. Uh, they're they're very fun. They're by 
the movies are by Kenny Ortega, who did High School Musical. So they're like, they're super awesome. Got it. Yeah, I do highly recommend them. But yeah, the, the books help to kind of like tie things together even more in a way that's really fun. I'm trying to think um, but, of a novelization that I've read that's like that. Because I, I <laughs> would... I would I remember like I would grab books that were like just based on movies because mm-hmm. I was like, well, it'll be easier. I always had trouble reading fiction when I was a kid because like I, I couldn't imagine my, my mm-hmm. imagination was really, for whatever reason limited until I probably started doing drugs or something. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it always helped me to be like, OK, I know what these characters look like because of other things. Right. Now I can enjoy this versus the ones where I would have to like just I don't know, think these things up in my head. Very, very yeah. odd time for my imagination, I'll say. Oh, absolutely. I think I, for some reason, my father bought the Terminator 2 novelization when I was a kid and I loved it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was really good. That's great. Yeah. I need to read that. See, like, Jack, you probably, <laughs> would you love like a, like reading the novelization of Jaws? Jaws 2. Jaws 2. Mm. It was one of the first novels that I ever read was the novelization of Jaws 2. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that encourages to... reading, which I think is, of course, super important. Like, you know, that's why they have like all the picture books for like all kinds of classic characters and stuff now yeah just i think it's really good to like whatever it takes to get kids to read i think is generally good but yeah the other thing for me is also for video games i don't know if it's really the case so much in english originally but at least in japanese there are a lot of novelizations of video games which is great for me because i don't have time to play video games anymore (laughs) Mm. so it's like if i want to revisit a story or if i like a story for a video game but i can't play the video game like maybe it's too difficult or something then i can just read the book and get still get the story basically right and now you can keep up in conversation now you're like i remember Mm. that yeah i remember that level Mm -hmm. that was page 83 (laughs) yeah exactly Dude, I love the idea of the novelization of Terminator 2 because I just I want to read in text the t- the Terminator hangs up the payphone and looks at him and says, your foster parents are dead. Yes, yes, are yes. Dead. I just want to read that like literary version of that exchange because I can't mm. stop thinking about your foster parents are dead ever in my life. Yes, mm. yes. <laughs> it's a classic line. Yeah. Did you read the novelization of Terminator 2 before you watched the film Terminator 2? Oh, gosh. I actually don't remember when I first watched. Like, that's one of those things Mm. that, like, because my father was so into the Terminator series, I cannot remember the distinct time when I first watched it, you know? Right. Um, Same with Star Wars. Same with a lot of other stuff from childhood. Right. It's like asking someone, do you remember the first time you read the Bible or felt God's love? (laughs) (laughs) Hard to put your finger on (laughs) <laughs> oh man i saw a terminator 2 twice when i was in theaters like and i think i was probably too young to do that but it was, oh, shit. It was a blast <laughs> yeah the, uh, Ed, eddie mm, furlong mm. he was a, like he he made music in japan that like only re- released in japan and my mom like helped do some publicity for him in the early wow. 90s and i got to have like I went to a dinner my mom fucking took me to. She didn't have to take me so I could just stare at Eddie Furlong the whole time and be like, oh, man, you're the coolest kid in town, man. You hung out with the Terminator and you wear flannel. Can't just do that. You gotta. (laughs) (laughs) That's a terrible edit for a long time. All right. (laughs) All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And all right. The I'm not sure where the study is from. It was reported in Slate and NBC News, I think NBC News put it together for us. And that basically they're reporting that critical race theory and all the fears are around it that with parents screaming uh, about how this was racism against white people or something, the demographics groups that drove that wave are the same demographic groups that showed up to a protest, a.k.a. raid, a.k.a. try and overthrow the U.S. government uh, on January 6th. Mm-hmm. Same same group. They re- mm. like reporters found, quote, that the districts hosting some of the most combative debates over diversity inclusion initiatives have have seen a steady increase in students of color attending its schools in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We've and like there are videos coming out of there. Parents are screaming. There's been a 52.4% increase in students of color since 1994. Loudoun County, Virginia, where, you know, transgender student rights have been screamed about and, you know, critical race theories have been another contentious point. 
they've seen a 29.5% increase in that same time period. So they're just saying like, the thing that we've always kind of seen in the country, which is demographic changes often kick off very unsettled and often violent periods in our country. If you'll remember Reconstruction, anyone? Um, like, you know, and the KKK coming out of that and many other things that are born out of suddenly, who are these fucking people here now? I remember when America was this other thing. And so, you know, I think a lot of the time that the, the conservative media was definitely focusing on it because it was just, as we thought, we're like, well, this is the thing that is helping them avoid st- like speaking about Joe Biden at all or saying anything remotely positive about what's happening, that they really found something that was able to tap into just white fear and their fear of the inversion of racial power in the country. Yeah. And then a political scientist was, I guess, I guess went through demographic data and found that uh, the same thing was true of the people who were there on January 6th, right? That yeah. they were yeah. in counties with the most significant declines in non-Hispanic white populations. Yeah. He said those counties most likely to produce insurrectionists. Hey. So it's just like so much fear, you know, that this is just the fear of losing status, because I'm sure depending on their very rigid view of how America works, if you're not white, then you're in trouble. And so to see things change must create some feeling of the old and lack is coming my way, because that's been the case for others who are not, you know, part of the uh, majority demographic. And. I just see, like, in general, a lot of fear coming out of conservatives. There's this person I went to school with who, like, posted on Instagram and they were they took a picture of like a dumpster that had been like tagged by like a gang and then like a like a random plank of wood next to it that had also been tagged. And they were legitimately they're like, do I need to be worried about this? Like this tagging? Like, oh, my God, California is just is falling apart. I'm so worried. And they said, the next thing for me is I'm getting a concealed carry permit. Because I will not be a victim because they just saw some graffiti on something, Mm -hmm. you know, like the the environment that I think is helping power this so much is just I mean, hysteria has been everywhere in the United States. But like specifically as it relates to just Mm -hmm. seeing any kind of shift in what is happening in your immediate area and taking that as this is some kind of terror. What is happening? It's putting a we can just see how that's manifesting throughout the country right now. Yeah. They're not being shy about it either. I mean, Tucker Carlson did a whole thing about how the census data was like so alarming because it showed that white populations were shrinking. And, you know, these are these are the exact talking points that white supremacists and white nationalists were using like back. I remember like reading up on and even listening to a podcast of a white nationalist during like 2015, 2016, as Trump was rising. And, you know, it was like, well, people are saying that like the things he's saying are like dog whistles. So let me see like what they're actually saying about it. And it's all about like a cultural replacement and Mm -hmm. like the white genocide being just you know, that like their values and the idea that they are of of white supremacy is being challenged. Yeah, it's very frustrating. It's like, I mean, like you all said, it's this has happened so many times. It's extremely predictable at this point. It's just extremely like water is wet. <laughs> it's kind of news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's just it's so frustrating. Like you understand, like we could because we've seen it before, you know exactly what the mindset is. But it's like, how do we get people out of it? You know? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just merely it's like anything when people talk about how they've been brought back from like extremism or whatever. It's merely because mm-hmm. they were never interacting with the people that they hated. Exactly. And, yeah. and, were, and never would even give themselves the opportunity for that. And it wasn't until those interactions, too, that sometimes people begin to change. Now, not everyone has the same sort of flexibility of mind, but it seems like that's the one common thing is, yeah, people are, you know, they stay in their bubbles and that makes it much easier to obscure what you know, you believe the reality of Mm -hmm. another group to be. But yeah, as you said, not surprising. Um, And yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what to say to them, because I'm sure in their mind, they see like, they're like, look at the the white population is shrinking. Like, in their mind, do they think it's like, it's because horrible things are happening? Or that just other people are here also having, Mm -hmm. you know, procreating with people who are of different ethnicities 
and we're yeah. just becoming more diverse rather than this. I, I think they have to frame it as the walls are closing in on us and yeah. we have to fight. We have mm. to fight it back. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of uh, the South, white supremacy and not surprising, I want to talk about the story uh, that is starting to hit people's radars because uh, the this guy, Alex Murdaugh, was just arrested. Um, the headline on BuzzFeed News is police arrested the South Carolina lawyer who said who they said planned his own killing for an insurance payout, hmm. which is taking him completely at his word. And like the backstory is so wild. So let me just kind of go through like that. That's his alibi is that he hired somebody to kill him. That's best case scenario for him. So wait, I, what do you mean? Like in that he was like, hey, man, I'll you'll just choke me out or like you're going to give me a lethal inject like Kevorkian. They, assisted they, suicide? He got shot in the head, but it was a yeah. graze to his head. And my suspicion He's claiming it was a botched. He hired somebody to kill him and they just like missed by accident. Couldn't like land the plane on the headshot. And he therefore like and the reason for it was he wanted to get an insurance payout for his son. I think it's actually he had the person miss on purpose to try and throw suspicion off of him and so let, let me just kind of wow. take you back to the beginning of this so the Murdaugh family were a political legal dynasty in south carolina uh for generations they've basically been like the head lawyers in town mm -hmm. including like multi-generational holding down the uh, solicitor general role uh since the 1920s <laughs> like they're wow. just like they're entrenched as right. fuck and you know, there are people from local people who are like, they're they're the salt of the earth. They're the best people, including Bakari Sellers was like, he they're the nicest people in the world. But then other people like one local attorney was like, you don't cross the Murdoffs or you do. If you do cross them, you don't let them find out that it was you because they'll come on down on you hard and they'll come down on you with all that they've got. They have a lot of influence and power, and they'll use it against their enemies. Wow. Uh, so, like, that's standard rich generational wealth corruption shit. Right. But So things first started unraveling uh, when the youngest son of the guy who uh, just got arrested for hiring somebody to kill him, his youngest son crashed their family boat into a bridge pylon while just hammered. Mm. And three of the passengers were thrown into the water and the body of one of them was found a week later. And, you know, she had she had died. It was a pretty white girl. So the media noticed. And there is police dash cam footage of one of the other passengers on the boat, like after immediately after the accident, saying basically that motherfucker should rot in jail and he's not going to get in any trouble at all. Wow. And sure enough. They were able to kind of delay and quiet it down for a long time. But then it started kind of bubbling up again. And then in the summer, that son, the one who had crashed the car or crashed the boat, and his mom, the matriarch of the family, were found murdered on their massive hunting property, both shot to death with different guns. And so that that was just like everyone was like, what the fuck happened? Then cut forward to the patriarch, uh, the guy who was just arrested of the family, was shot in the head on a country back road while changing a tire. Uh, he was only grazed and survived. So it's just been announced now. And because the story, like the smaller, more recent version of the story is so wild, people are just taking this as a given that he he claims he hired his drug dealer to shoot him in the head as an assisted suicide bid to get his other son a big insurance payout. And if you just committed suicide, you know, there's a common belief that if you commit suicide, then the person can't get an insurance payout, uh, except he's a lawyer. So presumably he would have known that that isn't the truth. He could right. have committed suicide and his son still would have gotten the money. So it's also just been announced that he had been embezzling money from the law firm that his name is on uh, at least a million dollars and was just fired. And he went into rehab on oxy addiction. 
So basically, there's there's those are the main public events. Until I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you about two more that are now bubbling up. But more than this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two more, more, two more, two more unsolved murders that are now being thrown into okay. question involving the family or suspicious deaths, I should say. So the the theory of the case that he wants you to believe is someone killed the son and his mom in retribution for the boatman slaughter. Uh, the dad fell apart, was already a drug addict, decided to kind of off himself via his drug dealer, but his drug dealer was just like a bad shot and it didn't work. The one that I'm uh, suspecting more and more, you, you'll suspect it if you're kind of suspicious of moneyed, locally powerful, uh, generationally powerful, you know, Southern white families right. uh, or just all white families. So they had a long running, my, my guess, and this is not proven. This is just my theory that they had a long running, like I can buy my way out of anything, history of doing crimes, getting away with it. The son had become a liability. And as has been rumored, the mother was looking to get out of the marriage and blow the whole thing up. So you know, that's where their murders came from. And then the dad wanted to make himself less of a suspect. So he hired his drug dealer to make it look like someone tried to kill him. And because, I mean, it's it's hard to shoot someone in the head and not kill them. I mean, um, unless you're but, sniping mm. them from 200 fucking yards or something. Yeah. And also they were on a country back road. So if he had intended to kill him, he like, it's not like he was well, shooting him it, and running away. You I know? mean, wouldn't it go down like mm -hmm. being like, hey, you're my drug dealer, man. I'm paying you to kill like to kill me. Right. Yeah. And if you were serious about that, you'd be like, all right, man, do it. And if it missed, you'd be like, what the fuck, bro? Can you do it right now? And like, yeah, all right, my exactly. bad. Boom. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, I'm sorry. You know what? Oh, God. Got to go, actually. My <laughs> other drug users are calling me for a for yeah. a drop or something. So adding weight to the theory that this is all, like, part of a massive, like, ongoing, like, corrupt crime family is that the police are now reopening uh, two deaths that have happened near the family farm. Their housekeeper, who mysteriously died from, quote, falling, a few years back, like the who the coroner was like, we never were informed of this. We never did an autopsy. They really swept it under the rug. And now they're reopening that because they're like this, like none of this adds up. And also a 19 year old a young man whose body was found on a country road, like by their house. And keep in mind, their house is like you know, hundreds and hundreds of acres of land. Right. So it's not mm. it's not like being by their house is like being by 20 other houses. Right, it's right, right. By their house. And interestingly, the police at first thought that he had been shot in the head, but later changed the cause of death to hit and run. Nope. They claim a truck's rear view mirror like basically exploded his head and that's how he was killed. So again, it just feels like you know, conveniently, the police kind of looking the other way when uh, something incredibly mysterious happens around this family. Jesus, that is it's so grim. wild. <laughs> it is so wild. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's wild that also like that it's being covered as. Yeah, he uh, like he tried to because that is a good story, right? Like that's a good quick story. Mm -hmm. This guy. Had, had like hired someone to kill him so his son could get the like payout and it's also like ties into our understanding like there i think there are movies that use that logic that like all insurance life insurance things like you can't get it if there's suicide, suicide whereas right. like that's you know case by case and the person who would know that and who would know the particulars of his life insurance policy would probably be like a lawyer yeah that's wild when you said Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, the cause of death is falling. And right. you're like, that's not good enough. Like, yeah, yeah. Is it a head injury. Like, uh, do they have a heart attack? And like, what 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 are we going? And then to switch something from shot, shot by someone to smashed by a car. Right. I mean, I think that just reeks. Mm. You, you, those things don't happen without someone willfully obscuring things or looking the other way and just yeah. being like, yeah, 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 yeah. that's yeah. good enough for me. Their 57-year-old right, housekeeper died on February 26, 2018, as a result of injuries sustained in a, quote, trip and fall accident. Wow. She had been a housekeeper for them for 25 years. So he basically was like, 
look, I'm going to get you guys $500,000 for your trouble to uh, her sons. And was like, so what you have to do is sue me because it happened on one of my properties that I have home insurance on. So you sue me and I will get the payout through insurance and you'll be you'll get $500,000. Her sons are like a really small town guy and somebody with, I think they said, developmental disabilities. And so, you know, they were just like, sure, I don't, I'm not currently equipped to take on a massive, like, fucking the Corleone family of South Carolina. So right. I just got them to, like, go along with mm-hmm. it. But, yeah, they're they're now saying, like, the county coroner requested that the state authorities open an investigation into her death due to inconsistencies surrounding it. Yeah, this is just, can't wait for this Dateline episode. Yeah, I was going to say, this is probably like a whole other show in itself. There's just so many layers, like something's going to come out of this. This is going to get, I mean, I hate to be so business minded, Jack, but do do we know who has the rights to this? (laughs) I'm sure every, everybody, (laughs) you know, yeah, I mean, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy, but it's a damn interesting one. That's there's so much intrigue Mm -hmm. there, too, because like, yeah, it's it's hitting all the notes of. Like America, like the worst parts of American culture, of just concentrated wealth and a justice system that is very pliable and kind to people uh, who are at certain echelons of society. Yeah, yeah. And fear. You know, they're afraid that they're afraid that if they get caught doing anything to endanger those people, they're going to come down on them. They might disappear next. Like that's like multi-generation generational like corruption like that's you know your grandparents are telling you not to fuck with the murdochs you know at that point like that's (laughs) Mm -hmm. they've been making people disappear i'm sure for many generations if yeah uh, can you imagine though too because it's like we have things that like generationally like we'll accept as truth from like our elders yeah that something like even like don't fuck with that family is like comes yeah. with the weight of decades of whatever the hell they suspect them of doing too. It's like the same way. Like I don't know, I'm, my parents would tell me like weird ghost stories or some shit that would freak me out as a kid. But I'd be like, oh my god, even they know about this. Mm. It's a very, yeah. mm. very uh, man dark story. But yeah. hope to know more. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back, and let's get into Ballgate briefly, uh, <laughs> as briefly as possible. Yeah. Which is not very briefly. I mean, so, we, we can condense it. I think people are familiar with Ballgate at this point. We've touched on it in the trending yeah. episodes. But, yeah. you know, th- there was just a, th- this whole story with Nicki Minaj and the tale of the cousin's friend who most people were like, it sounds like an STD, and this person maybe blamed the vaccine and got caught, or maybe this mm-hmm. isn't true at all. It's It's had many different steps to it. The first one was Tucker Carlson getting involved and like making this like retraction, which he never has around this, where he was just being kind of cheeky about it. And was saying, like, you know, I just want to say, like, it wasn't her, like, it's not the cousin's testicles were swollen. As far as we know, he's fine. It's Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's testicles who are swollen from taking the vaccine. That's the claim. And at first I was like, this is weird. Jack, you were like, I think he's trolling. But yeah, over the course of trolling and like doing a doing a a retraction and a correction on the least consequential story possible. Yeah. While also and, being kind of yeah. dismissive of. Well, the thing know, is, like, it's color. slowly become a culture war battle where conservatives have now found a way to be like, oh, let's back this celebrity, this black celebrity to help, you know, be our sort of champion and to do battle in the anti-vax realm. Because you're getting a lot of like, you know, like Glenn Greenwald. Uh, he's he's chiming in. He said they're trying to dictate <laughs> They're trying to dictate to Nicki Minaj what she can say and can't say, who she is and isn't permitted to cite, what Bro, partisan box up. she must uh, stay in. Uh. When people were like, because the whole thing was she claimed that Twitter had put her in Twitter jail. They Twitter was like, no, we never did anything like that. I don't know what she's even talking about. Mm-hmm. So then Greenwald was sort of pointing to that. And when someone was like, hey, that, that didn't actually happen. She wasn't actually censored. He said, 
quote, if she wasn't banned, it's only because of who she is, not because of anyone else uh, would be allowed to say this. All right. And then Mm -hmm. we see like this sort of back and forth now because Tucker Carlson has gone on for a couple nights now talking about it. But he's doing it in this way to really bring up the thing that they love, which is if a black person goes against like whatever the 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 mainstream point of view is, like especially with Democrats, then it's like a they just think that you know their favorite thing is they just they they Democrats think that every black person has to vote for them, and when they don't, they get so upset if they say anything mm-hmm. different. This is what happens to to black people when they don't agree with Democrats. And the thing is that the end of her tweet, she was just like at the initial one to say, like, you don't have to get bullied. Just she says you should pray on it and do what you think is best. Tucker, again, he used this to just sort of push his same sort of motive, which is, quote, he said, it's that last part of Nicki Minaj's tweet that enrages them. The part where she says you should pray on it, make the decision yourself like a free human being and don't be bullied. So our media and public health officials didn't like this because they make their livings bullying people. So they couldn't let it stand. Mm-hmm. And it's just like mm-hmm. an interesting just that this has now been fodder for conservative talking points more than like, I think, anything else. And on top of that, Nicki Minaj had a whole thing where she was saying the the uh, the White House like lied to her and said that they wanted her to go there or didn't or whatever. It's just stupid. I think eventually she's going to have a Zoom call with Anthony Fauci <laughs> and the Surgeon General. But mm. I think this, a lot of people also saying Tucker like Carlson video on Twitter, and I still can't believe that. Yeah. And yeah, then the other one she did with the bulls. With the exactly. Bullseye, and people are like, what? Yeah. And then she's like, what? Just because he's a white supremacist, essentially, like, <laughs> yeah. I can't agree with him. And people are like, what? Nikki, yep. no. But a lot of people point out, it's like, if you just remember a week ago what Nicki Minaj was doing in the news headlines, it was for headlines like this. Quote, mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj pulls out of v- MTV VMAs as husband faces up to a decade in prison. That's because her husband, Kenneth Petty, failed to register as a sex offender in California to stemming from a rape conviction in New York uh, when he was 16. So there was a like there's been a she's been saying a lot of controversial stuff. A lot of people have been like looking at her like, what is going on? But this, you know, this whole other ballgate thing feels very Trumpy in that. You had a lot mm-hmm. of negative press or things talking about one thing. So you just come out and say something even more outlandish, like someone's gigantic balls. And now everyone's just talking about that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think Yep. She, she sees the matrix, unfortunately, on that one. But yeah. that's it is a little terrifying because I'm always just surprised by all the kind of seemingly left wing people who are using the the vaccine mandates to like start agreeing with Tucker Carlson and people like that. It's like, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're constantly seeing strange bad fellows in this era. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about the hot new fall trend and it's divorce. Ow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Who's getting divorced, baby? Yeah. Wow. You are looking great with that ringless hand. Oh my God. (laughs) This seems like to be a trend that's been that's being seen across the U.S., although like a lot of this new that's it's weird. This was a piece in the New York Times style section. OK, uh, sure. I don't know what this has to do with style, but um, <laughs> they point out that like in New York and L.A., like they've just seen a ton of like just an uptick in divorce cases and things like that. And there's a few sort of theories around it. But like one New York law firm said that, quote, since April, our phones have been ringing off the hook nonstop. And most of those calling are people who want to come in and start divorce proceedings. She went on to add during the pandemic, many of these same people were experiencing marital problems and putting off splitting up for practical reasons. And in some cases, she said that some couples were, quote, waiting for the for the vaccines to be approved and to gain more social and economic stability before leaving their marriages. It seemed like, according to some, like, you know, some polls that like relationship people have been doing that this time, like people are more unhappy in their marriages than this time last year when like, Mm. you know, we were in the height of lockdowns Mm. and, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people are speculating what that is. If it's come from things like, you know, partners who are not pulling their weight and because of like the added labor of like women in the, in the lockdown and things like that that mm-hmm. this could have compounded like issues of like sort of imbalances in relationships or the fact that maybe because people have been mm-hmm. very, you know, reflective and had time to sort of think about their priorities 
it also has been extending to what they want of a partner. But yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I do. I actually, I oh whoa! I'm just trying to think. I'm like, do I know? I do know somebody who split up the last couple of weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like one of the things uh, that the lawyer suggests is they're hearing more pandemic specific disagreements in right. couples. Mm-hmm. I I think that's very real. Like the again, like the the thing about the you know anti-vaxxer shit crossing political ideologies like that. I think there are people who are probably shocked to find out that their significant other or their their spouse, I guess, is uh, anti-vaxxer. You know, right? And mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to bounce back from. I feel like. Yeah, there's a there's a yeah. thing that says like one in three or. Like a third of Americans have cut ties with like unvaccinated people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's become like so contentious. And I can see how, yeah, that could easily happen in a marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Cause like, I mean, I think it's very interesting, like how the, um, this is like, I don't know, I feel like it, we saw it coming because the redhead started happening last year. But now that it's been become more and more like, oh, we're not out of this yet. This is going to keep going. How much more can I take this person? Mm. You know? That's that's probably right. what's like leading to all this stuff. It's very interesting. Like I, I definitely I haven't personally seen that so much, but um, my my brother actually got a girlfriend two weeks before the lockdowns in New York in, in like New York and New Jersey, and he decided that he was gonna go live with her during everything, and they're still together, and it's like it's been very good from what I've seen anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like really interesting. Like that was kind of the opposite, but like. Because their relationship kind of like came out of the pandemic, I guess. Like it started there. Right. I think that's maybe why. Yeah. But like definitely like obviously, obviously families in general, a lot of families have political disagreements. But when it comes to like things like the safety and health of, of everyone around you, like you have to take it a lot more yeah, seriously, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it, it, it makes a lot of sense where because you, you seemingly get married to someone and think you know like everything about them and how mm-hmm. the, like they'll respond to different stimuli throughout your lives mm-hmm. but this has been the weirdest test for people yeah. and it's had yeah. all kinds of results like from you know your example like there i know people who got booed up during the lockdown and they've been great people are like loving it they found the loves of their lives mm-hmm. and then there are other people who in it were really starting to reconsider most people I know would be like the nature of like their work and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But also in some cases, like people having sort of realizations around dating and things like that too, of like, Oh wait, I actually, I'm starting to understand like what my own needs are. And Mm -hmm. I think this is this -hmm. other quote from this relationship expert out there saying, quote, there's a lot of angst out there, which is why many divorced people tell me that they are now approaching new relationships by holding potential partners to a higher level of maturity and authenticity and that starting from the dating level, they will never again, quote, settle for just anyone. Damn. It's that also sounds like how people are thinking about jobs a little bit. Yeah. Like not, yeah. not totally, but you know, we we still have to like put food on the table. But the you know, they it seems like people are getting more choosy. Yeah. Like mm. I think and, feeling more empowered to uh, hold hold people to a reasonable standard. Right. And I think is like, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to get caught up in like what you're like. I understand the settling thing because not it doesn't always feel like that, you know, because sometimes it's, we're surviving and right. a job right. is what we needed in that time to survive that moment or a relationship is what we needed in that time to unfortunately just avoid loneliness. And we're it's two people avoiding loneliness together, mm-hmm. maybe with not much else in common. But, yeah, just sort of all of that happening like at once. It, it's I, I hope people aren't settling. And I think maybe people are just getting, more, again, more open about what their needs are, because I think everyone was feeling some level of pain these last 18, 19 months that mm-hmm. right there. You be, you're able to actually kind of stop bullshitting yourself on some level, not everyone. But if you are feeling a lot of bullshit right. going on, it's, it might be easier to fucking really take stock of what's happening and, and do something. Yeah. Shout out to all the people who are able to stay married out there because <laughs> yeah. you know it's uh it's it's hard. It's been a it's been a hard couple of years, and you know that it takes work. Yeah, but I think I don't know. I feel like in, even in my own relationship, like because 
we both would have to be open about like shit that was getting us down, like in a way that we weren't doing before. Right. I think because Mm -hmm. luckily I have a partner who's very intelligent emotionally and like empathetic that there was an an arena to do that in that that really helped make things Mm -hmm. more stable or stronger. And I think in other cases, like you'd hear about people who were just dating and they're like, this person doesn't like talk about anything like actually like and doesn't want to talk about their emotions, doesn't want to talk about mine. Mm -hmm. And this is just actually someone I was avoiding loneliness with. Mm. Yeah, it's deep. Yeah. Avoiding loneliness (laughs) with is a tough thing. Hey, so it turns out I was just avoiding Avoiding, loneliness. Yeah, you you were kind of like a piece of emotional driftwood in a sea of (laughs) isolation. (laughs) <laughs> I was clinging to. Mm. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, Yumi, it's been such a pleasure having you, as always, on TDZ. Thank you. Where can people find you and follow you? Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ayushinos, uh, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. And that's also the name I use for my Kofi, where I take art commissions and my shop on imprint uh the links are all on twitter and instagram if you just click over there so yeah i also need to shout out all the zeitgen because the last two times i went on here i got a lot of commissions so i really appreciate each and every one of you oh dope yeah yeah keep hitting that uh, link keep hitting that link yes (laughs) um but yeah and uh, my podcast is uh, sparkle side chats with magical girl iu where we talk about magical girls with the people who love them from every corner of the world and uh, you can follow at magical girl iu spelled a-y-u for updates or find the show wherever you get your podcasts yeah yeah and is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Yes, goodness. So the one that's been kind of stuck, I know it's been a slightly old news that, you know, that there's a new Matrix uh, trailer that dropped, but I kept thinking about this tweet from Ron Iver at R-O-N-N-U-I underscore. He says, the, ma- the Matrix wasn't dumb. You just have to understand the philosophical allegories that it's referencing, like downloading karate from LimeWire. <laughs> i love that yeah, shit i honestly i used to think like that i'm like oh i'm gonna get this book off of t- i'm gonna get a torrent of this book and i'm gonna expand my knowledge base like some fucking wow Absolutely. yeah getting karate off yeah. of my mind <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what you have to do yeah yeah uh miles where can people find you what's the tweet you've been enjoying Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, the other show, 420 Day Fiance uh, with Sophia Alexandra. If you like 90 Day Fiance, just <laughs> come come hop in the waters over there. It's, it's laughy. We get laughy over there. Some <laughs> tweets that I like. Let's see. The first one is from Reductress. It's been a while. It's just a photo of this uh, like woman laying in bed and says, Woman's self-care starting to look suspiciously like self-sabotage. Uh, <laughs> and it, it can I be a fine line. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, just come on, come on, come on, come on. No, 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 no. This, is, this is what I need, okay? It's not sabotaging. It's not procrastination, mm-hmm. no. And then another one <laughs> is from uh, old friend 99 at old friend 99 said please stop referring to things as orwellian some of us haven't read this his books yet and you're spoiling them <laughs> <laughs> and then finally mike drucker at mike drucker tweeted your childhood ends the moment you learn it's not called duct tape <laughs> d-u-c-k and not d-u-c-t and that is very true mm. uh, that's the day that uh the magic died you know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Laura is such a good mom tweeted, I'm going to Costco. Anybody need me to pick up 50 pounds of rice or a kayak? <laughs> and Michael A. Blazo tweeted, after a long day of protesting in front of the hospital, I like to get home, put my feet up, and unwind by passing away of COVID-19. Oh, God. <laughs> it's dark. It is dark. Uh, but you know, and then finally, uh, John Boyce tweeted, I wish the instructions for the soup ended with serve and enjoy. I'm so fucking hungry. (laughs) 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 You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find Uh, us on Twitter at daily zeitgeist. We're at the daily zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, daily zeitgeist.com where we post our episodes and our footnotes. footnotes. 
where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people should go check out? Dev Never, this track by Dev Never, it just feels like good, like sort of poppy music. And it's like equal parts relaxing, but also interesting enough that you'll actually really listen to it. And mm. I think there's no better way to t- take that into a weekend. So this is Funky yeah, by yeah. Dev mm. Never. All right. Well, go check that out. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. And hey, we'll talk to you then. Bye. 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 Bye.